When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening. Welcome to our week 14 college football preview brought to you by Wendy's. Today, my buddy Jeff Schwartz and I are going to go through the Power 5 Conference Championship games with you. Jeff, buddy, how you doing? I am fantastic. Hello to everyone. We now know that everyone watches these. So thank you for including us in your hype videos. Hopefully we say something today that can lead your team to victory, RJ. Uh, my team, no, not probably not my team, well, but but you, for that not, matter, not, neither not one of our team teams. Either. So yeah, not this one either, buddy. <laughs> my goodness, but that is one way to kick off our spaces tonight. I also need to ask, buddy, how was the Wendy's tonight? It was good. I got I got a chicken sandwich. Uh, it was delicious. Um, and then the fries, man, they were different today. And I like Wendy's fries, but these were notched up a little bit. They had a little parmesan on there, um, and a little little, little seasoning on there, dude. Delicious, delicious. I loved it. I got the chicken sandwich and the garlic fries too. I got to say, uh, oh. my mouth was exploding with taste. Uh, just like this tasty assortment of college football conference championship games we have on tap this week. Let's start with the biggest game of the week for you and I. Big Ten Championship features Purdue versus number two Michigan. After what we saw Michigan do against Ohio State, what are you expecting from them in the Big Ten title game? So last year was 42-3 was the final score. Michigan, Iowa. Was that am I had have, have that correctly? We were there. We were there in that crowd watching that game. Uh, you know, maybe like 42-13 in this game. Um, Purdue just doesn't have the dudes. And, and you can make mm-hmm. the argument that, that Michigan possibly has a letdown, but you can make the argument last year too. And they came out against Iowa and kind of just slowly methodically took took that game over. And I think with Purdue really not being able to score points. Right? I think I'm going to pull my numbers up here to make sure. Um, uh, Purdue's off at the 70th in points per drive. Like, they just can't score enough in this game to keep up. I think Michigan will, will win at the line of scrimmage. They did it last weekend. They kind of just slowly kind of take the air out of the Purdue team. Uh, and it's no slight to Purdue. Just Michigan's a better football team. And you can maybe hope that they don't show up. But if they show up, even they play like a B-plus game, RJ, I think they win this game going away. It's really difficult for me to give Purdue more than a fighting chance in this game simply because their defense does not match up well with Michigan's offense. To that end, nobody's defense has matched up well to Michigan's offense when they've had their assortment of tailbacks. But even against Ohio State, right, we're talking about Donovan Edwards going for over 200 yards as Blake Quorum was forced to miss basically the entire game with a knee injury, you're really going to ask Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones to do a lot of the work here to keep you in this game. Charlie Jones, who I thought was really uh, outstanding this year for Purdue, I believe it's 1,199 yards he's got with 12 TDs and 97 catches. He was snubbed of being a Bolitnikoff Award finalist, but he's certainly a man that you have to have at least one, if not two sets of eyes on if you are the Michigan defense. But more than that, I believe Michigan's playing for the number one seed here in this game. If they are able to destroy Purdue and perhaps Georgia does not play uh, well against LSU, get ahead of myself here, but it's also my lead into college football playoff rankings reaction here as we're talking about 
what Michigan is looking at at being number two, swapping, uh, basically taking Ohio State spot here. Yeah. Do you think that a resounding win for Michigan vaults them into the number one ranked spot? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I, I guess if Georgia wins by three or ten points, maybe. But we'll talk about that game. I would imagine in a few minutes. I, I just don't think Georgia will be surpassed here. Um, you know, the question I think becomes maybe a TCU USC thing. But if TCU is undefeated, they're going to be ahead of USC. They're going to be thirteen zero. They'll be the three seed, and US and USC will be the four seed. The fun, obviously, and the chaos becomes if TCU and or USC both lose, and they're they're short favorites at the moment. Um, what happens next? Ohio State, Alabama. Who do you put in there? What happens? Uh, you know, down the road. I mean, look, I get Tennessee does not have Hayden Hooker. I get it. They just won 56 nothing without him. It gets Vanderbilt, right? Like, I get it, it's Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt is coming off two SEC wins in a row. Um, I don't know why they're behind Alabama. And I get it. I, I know why, because Hayden Hooker is out. But the one game we have without him, they won 56 nothing. Like, I don't know if you should hold that against them. So uh, that feels like next up in line is Ohio State, Alabama, if both TCU and USC were to lose. I'm with you on the Tennessee take. Uh, when we did the number one college football show reaction, I went in on Tennessee, but I'll add to this. Boo Corrigan had not spoken when I had done the show. And since he said, uh, we looked at Alabama, Tennessee, and we do have head to head in our criteria, but we believe that the loss to South Carolina was so egregious that we have to look at Alabama in a different way. And I think that's just full stop false and awful. It's not just because Tennessee has the head to head. It's also because when you look at common opponents, Tennessee stopped a mud hole in LSU and Alabama lost LSU. It's also you saying it's not just that Hendon Hooker's not there. It's that you don't trust Joe Milton to do a good job here. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you yeah. know that it ain't just the quarterback that wins you a football game, right? I wonder if they would do the same thing if Bryce Young was not the starting quarterback at Alabama. We won't know. But I think that it is really egregious for the sport that we're looking at Tennessee still being behind an Alabama team that they beat. And if the scoreboard doesn't matter, or I should say, if winning doesn't matter more than losing, I have a problem with that. Uh, but to that end, like we're talking about Michigan being undefeated. We're talking about perhaps them winning the Big Ten championship game. I'm going to throw maybe some fly into the ointment here. You tell me if I'm right or wrong in that it could upset things. If Michigan loses to Purdue, let's even say they lose to Purdue by a lot. Do you think that Michigan does not make the college football playoff? Um, how do you make the argument they should be behind Ohio State? You, you probably can't. So I think Michigan and Georgia are both in with losses. Okay. Um, but I think neither of them lose. So, um, but yeah, I think it would be hard to say, you know, oh, you just beat Ohio State one week ago, two weeks ago. Now you're out. I, that make that feels hard to make uh, to make that work um, if you're looking at kind of overall resume. I, so I think they're firmly both in right now. Well, then let's go from the Big Ten championship game to the Pac-12 championship game, which I think is quite honestly the most interesting championship game we have on the agenda this weekend. Number 11, Utah versus number four, USC. It's interesting for me on a number of fronts. The first is that Utah is the only team to beat USC this year and that Utah is the defending Pac-12 champion and they need some help to get to this spot, but they are in it. Who are you giving the edge to win this game? Uh, Caleb Williams is the edge. That's the edge. It's Caleb Williams, right? Um, I come on here each week, RJ, say the same thing. I don't know how USC is doing it. I mean, I do know it's Caleb Williams, right? He makes everything right for USC. 
Um, they're, they played four ranked opponents so far this season, right? They played uh, Oregon State, uh, Utah already, Notre Dame, and UCLA. They're plus 11 in turnover margin in those four games against ranked opponents. Like they're plus 22, I think, overall. Caleb Williams has only three. He takes such good care of the ball. USC has lost one fumble in 12 games. Nearly impossible to do. Their defense, 107th in, in points uh, points per drive. Their, their special teams are ranked 112th so far. But number 13 makes it all right for them because no matter what happens in any game, he makes the plays necessary to win those games. Even in the Utah loss, they scored 42 points. It's not on the, the it's not on the, the offense why they lost that game. And even going back to like the Notre Dame game, there were a lot of times in that game, no one was even open. No one was open. Didn't matter. Caleb Williams going to wait, buy time, find someone open, run for a big gain. He did this all season. No one was paying attention because USC was on at weird times, not on national television. This, he's been this way all season, and he has made everything right for them. And if I look at the X factor in this game, it's him. Now, can Utah win? Absolutely they can, right? We saw them win already. They're a well-coached team. They're good at the things that carry each week, right? They, they're good in the offense-defensive line. They're, they're good at quarterback. I mean, Cam Rising had his worst game of his career two weeks ago. Don't expect that, that, you know, that to happen again. Um, they're coached well. They won a rematch last year against Oregon, who had previously been as well. So they're used to this moment. There's a lot of things going for Utah, and I would not be surprised if Utah did win this game. But to me, it's 13, man. Like, he makes everything right at USC, and they'll find a way in the end for him to win this game. Um, and they'll win the high-scoring game again, I feel like. But in the end, I'm taking USC. I'm interested to see what happens when Clark Phillips is shutting down one side of the field for you. He might not play. He might not play though. Like he, he might, he, didn't he, he, might. He, he might, but he didn't play last week. And no one, for those who don't know, he's there. Clark Phillips is you as Utah's corner, uh, possible first round draft pick. Very good. Um, did not play against Colorado and mysteriously again, no, no injury report in college football. There's doubt if he'll play this week. Who knows? Well, I think he'll play. That's my guess. So we'll all take Kane. He got hurt against Colorado as well. I'm sure that they really missed uh, a Thorpe Award finalist in Clark Phillips against Colorado. That's not shade to Colorado. That's simply what it is. You mean right? when they won 63-14 with their backups was, playing the whole second half? <laughs> again, right? And Utah has like three rivalry games, which is wild. One of which is Colorado, which they manufactured when Colorado joined the Pac-12. But yeah. I'm with you in as far as number 13 is really great. As a matter of fact, uh, my favorite Notre Dame fan sent me a text like, Caleb Williams is a decent quarterback. And I said, yeah. Decent, you know, just he's decent he, with a capital D. He, but what he, he was doing against Notre Dame was also Kyler Murray esque, even Johnny Manziel esque. I don't know if that sort of magic ever runs out. It did for Johnny Manziel, it, it did for Kyler Murray, but it didn't happen for Kyler Murray until they got to the college football playoff. And I'll also add Lincoln Riley has made the college football playoff as a head coach every time he's had a Heisman finalist at quarterback. At the very least, Caleb Williams is a Heisman finalist, if not having wrapped up the Heisman trophy already. But Jeff makes a really great point. The defense has lived on its takeaways. And, and it's one of the things that Alex Grinch has preached from the moment that he became a defense coordinator. We want to be in the backfield for tackles for loss. He's got one of those in Tui, Tuli Lopo, uh, Tuli Lobot. Man, I had it. I had it just a second Tuli, ago. Tuli, 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 Tuli Peloto. Got it. Yes. See, had it two 11 seconds. And a, 11, 11 and a half sacks. Right. The but the point that I raise also there is. He's really good. Austin Jones has been really good. I didn't expect Austin Jones to be really good. Yeah. Travis Dystead. Because the most consistent guy that they had on offense, not named Caleb Williams, 
was Travis Dye until he went down with the leg injury. And Austin Jones held on the football and taking advantage yeah. of some outstanding running lanes that USC has been able to give. And when Lincoln Riley has an offense that can run the football, they're really, really difficult to stop unless they're in the playoff. <laughs> Look, what? Again, it's, 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 it's the truth. I, I know. I know. Look, and I think we saw with Notre Dame. Not- Look, he, the, the, the one downside to USC's offense, and this is not at all getting an offense that has a Heisman winner, is when you watch Caleb Williams play against the better teams they play, he doesn't often throw in rhythm. He's not hitting his back foot and getting rid of the ball. Like Again, there were a lot of times against Notre Dame, no one was open, and he just made plays. And sometimes, to your point, those plays just run out. Mm-hmm. You make two less of them in a game, and you lose. Um, and it's it's you're, they're living on the edge, but I go back to what Caleb Williams has done all season, and I give that edge slightly to USC. However, I do like Utah, and Utah is better as an underdog, man. Like, Kyle Whittingham is preaching all week, like, no one believes in us. We're the underdog. Like that, that's Utah plays better in that role than, than when they're the favorite. It's really, they, they just historically have been better in that underdog mentality. I want to see what Cam Rising still has left as well. Uh, I'd also mention that Cam Rising and Caleb Williams were both not just recruited by Lincoln Riley, but had committed to him at one point or another at Oklahoma. Uh, let's go from that game, which, you know, if USC loses, then we really got a party along with Texas Christian, but to SEC championship, number 14, LSU versus number one, Georgia. I'm not giving LSU any chance in this game. Uh, they are an 18 and a half point dog. Uh, Jeff, I'm here for you to talk me out of that belief if you believe otherwise. So normally you're the positive guy of the you know, two of us. Like, <laughs> it's true. You're, like you're, you're like, well, they have a chance. They can do it. Um, yeah, LSU is not winning this game. Um, when Georgia has decided to play this season, and, and that's you know, a loose term, but like when they've like, we're going to play hard. They smoked every team they played. Yes. Every team they played, whether it's Oregon, whether it was Tennessee, whether it was, it was Mississippi state, who was a ranked team. And there's one of the ranked team they beat this year. Uh, just like with ease, Kentucky, like it, they, when they want to do it, they're going to do it. And uh, sorry, LSU, like just not good enough. And, and you've had a great season and it's, it's, it's Brian Kelly's first year and you have far exceeded expectations with a quarterback, by the way, I, I watched play for three years in, in the PAC 12 conference. Like you made him really good. Uh, but LSU does not generate explosive plays on offense and you cannot beat Georgia by nickel and diming them down the field. Sorry. I watched that. I watched that week one. I, I watched it with my own eyes in Atlanta. Um, and I just don't think LSU is good enough. And Georgia, you know, they've waited all year for this moment again that's important to them. And I think they're going to roll LSU and they're going to cover this game and they're going to be the one seed and they're going to be favorites to win the championship again. Be their first back-to-back SEC championship win since 1981 and 1982. I'm also really interested to see just whether or not they decide to run it up to make a statement, to make a point about who the defending national champion is. And to your point about Jaden Daniels, I think he's the same quarterback he was at Arizona State. Like, that's not really? shade. That is to say that you put him with some good players, going to get some good play. Now, on the other side of that, I watched them take a clunker L, absolute demolished L, to a Texas A&M team that had nothing to play for. And that is the reason why I'm giving them no shot, right? It's really difficult for me to see that team play last week that's going to play against Georgia in the SEC championship game and give them a game. It's going to actually be the first time in some time that we have watched the SEC championship game and not felt like either team could win the game. And that's saying quite a bit about Georgia and frankly, the SEC West, which I think 
the college football playoff selection committee should take a look at whenever they do these rankings. You want to dunk on Tennessee for not having Hendon Hooker, but you're not dunking hard enough on LSU for losing to A&M. Big 12 championship is uh, this Saturday. It's got number 10, Kansas State, versus number three, Texas Christian. Texas Christian having a, a dream season, but they also know how this ends if they catch an L. I'll set it up this way. 2014, Baylor, Texas Christian, Ohio State were all one-loss teams trying to get that four spot into the college football playoff. The college football playoff selection committee looked around and said, who passed the eye test? Who's the brand name? Who's got the head coach who's won a national championship before? We're going to pick Ohio State, and they were made to look good with that pick as Ohio State went on to win the national championship. However, you talk to the folks in Fort Worth in 2014, they believe you put them in that spot, they would win a national championship. That said, Jeff, they know that if they don't win on Saturday, they're probably not going to get in. Do you think yeah. this is a do or die game for them? I do. Um, you know, there. I guess it then depends on like resumes, right? Like this is why sometimes like when you lose is almost more important than how you lose. Like if if you lose, if TCU had lost in week six, and but wins out the rest of the way, they're probably in. Where if you lose in the last game of the season, people look at you a little differently, right? But I think you can make the case that their strength of schedule has been excellent this season. They've had a tough strength of schedule. And if they lose this game by a couple of points, maybe you, you put them ahead. But Ohio State, I mean, the brand of Ohio State is going to carry this, right? Like, I feel like that's the issue with this discussion is they're going to go with, with Ohio State with one loss over TCU with one loss. I don't really – I don't know how to who to pick in this game. Um you know, TCU has kind of lived on the edge a little bit, same as USC has, but they keep winning. Like there's a quality to that. And they do that a lot more balanced than, than, you know, than USC does. Um, and, you know, Kansas State obviously wants to run the football um, and it kind of be that team. I, this one's tough for me. I I, I lean TCU because I think they've, they're more well-rounded as a team, uh, more explosive on offense. Which I think it's important in a lot of these games. Um, but it would not surprise me if K-State won. But it does feel like TCU kind of has this season, uh, this dream season. I mean, they beat them by, what, 10 or earlier this season in a game that, you know, was kind of back and forth early on. So I, I think they can get it done again. I, w I would take, take TCU ever so slightly. I think it's a pick em for me uh, for reasons that you brought up, and not the least of which is I think the quarterbacks cancel out, which is wild to think about. Because neither Will Howard nor Max Duggan started the season as the starters at their respective universities. As a matter of fact, the emergence of Will Howard, I would say, is even more impressive than the emergence of Max Duggan, who had been the starter for Texas Christian before Sonny Dykes arrived. I also believe that if you are TCU, if you're the Horned Frogs, this is exactly what you want. You've got nothing but Texans on your sideline. Sonny Dykes is a favorite son of Texas. Garrett Riley's up for the Broyles Award if he wins it. He joins Lincoln Riley as the only set of brothers who have ever won the award dating back to 1996. They've got outstanding size and speed on the outside, Savion Williams, Quentin Johnston. But for me, what it's going to come down to is can Kansas State run the football with Deuce Vaughn or can Texas Christian run the ball with Kendra Miller? Both guys are outstanding tailbacks, and I really am looking forward to watching them go blow for blow with each other. But this is down the road if you are TCU. This ought to be home base for you. You ought to feel good going into this. And if you're Kansas State, yeah, man, look at what we did to Oklahoma State. Look at how we were in the game against Texas Christian. And then you look at their losses, right? One of their losses is against a Tulane team that we didn't know was going to have its best season since 1998. 
Yeah. That's why I'm so looking forward to this game among all of them. Uh, I guess if I have to pick a team, I'm going to pick Texas Christian for the reasons that you brought up about being explosive on offense. But man, if Joe Gillespie's defense is looking at a deficit, you know, going into halftime, I expect Chris Kleiman to just hand the ball to Deuce Vaughn and say, if you can stop him, stop him. But we're going to force you to try to clog the middle of the field as opposed to try to spill us outside. Very excited to see what this game has in store. Um, let's talk about the last game on the schedule for you and I, the ACC championship, number nine, Clemson versus number 23, North Carolina. For the first time in some time, we've had back-to-back years where it does not feel like the ACC champion is getting into the college football playoff. So no matter who wins this game, do you think that the ACC has taken a step back? Probably. Um, you know, we it's so I guess it depends on like how you view making a playoff a successful season or not, right? Like for example, the Pac-12 has six teams in the right. top 20 right now, right? right. And if you by loses, any league, right? I believe so, yes. If USC loses the, the Pac-12 championship game and, and we do not have a playoff team, are we a worse conference? I, I don't think so. Like I, I think we had a good season, right? And so, you know, a, a playoff, especially the 14 playoff, I think does not determine whether or not your conference is good. But you look at the good, right? Florida State, much better this season, right? North mm-hmm. Carolina, despite their the defense to finishes, much better this season. I think Miami will get there when Mario gets his own guys in there, right? Like there is there's room for optimism. But is there that championship team in the ACC conference? No, but there's not one out West either. Probably not one of the Big 12 either. Like, you know, there's like if we so I just think judging conferences based off of if you can win a championship and if you can be a playoff team or have a playoff team is the wrong way to go about it. But they're not as strong at the top as they are when Clemson obviously is making a playoff. I think you have a point in as far as is the Pac 12 uh, a better conference than the ACC? I would say this year, absolutely. Big 10. Folks would tell you those are two Big Ten teams that you're you're talking about over there too. One being USC, the other one being UCLA. Well, that's that's well, turning they're a night. They're that's, not there yet. So, that, but that's turning a night, right? What I would take a look at is would Penn State be able to win the ACC? Probably. Its only losses are to Ohio State and Michigan, right? Meanwhile, I'm yeah. looking at a Clemson team that lost to South Carolina, same South Carolina that everybody wants to put in front of my face when they run a ranked Tennessee behind Alabama. I just. If South Carolina can beat Clemson, right, and, and can beat Tennessee, could South Carolina come in the ACC and be a championship-caliber program is a question I think is great yeah. to ask and one we could discuss. But in as far as this game in and of itself, I think Drake May is the best player in the ACC, and he ought to be the ACC player of the year. Yeah. However, the guy that is probably going to start on Saturday in DJ Ui Angulale could do with having an outstanding day. Because he did not look good at all against South Carolina. And going into this season, I thought that he was going to be the best player in the ACC. So we're talking about two quarterbacks. One is going to be, I think, a Heisman finalist. We'll see what people really think about Drake May after this game is played. But I'm also pulling for UNC here. Not just because Clemson has won six of the last eight conference championships, but because UNC hasn't won one since 1980. And to do it against... What has been the class, what still is, yeah. frankly, the class of the ACC would be just such a cool story for those folks on Chapel Hill. Yeah, uh, it, it would be a great story. Um, God, DJ is going to look great in UCLA blue and gold next year. It's going to be <laughs> a good there? look for him. You're already there? Out, out west. Oh, already there. I, if Chip hasn't called yet, he, he's missing out. Um, 
So look, uh, I, as far as Clemson, by the way, like I, the the stuff Dabo says about the current landscape of college football worries me more than anything they do on the field, right? Because like you have to accept if you want to win at that level that this is what college football is now, and and you might not like it, and maybe behind the scenes he does everything that he says he doesn't like, but like this is what it is now. So as far as this game, um, I think there'd be a lot of points scored in this game. Clemson's defense, guys is is good but when they play good offenses this year okay wake forest they allowed 45 points florida state they allowed 28 points and then south carolina is 31st in offense they allowed 31 points like they allow a po- they allow points um and then vice versa north carolina can't stop anybody so no, i think no. I, I i so i think it's sort of like a last possession type of game um and see like i don't think north carolina can make dj uncomfortable enough to kind of get a bad game out of them. It, it's possible, of course, but like it feels like a last possession game, which comes down, you know, to anybody, you know, at that point. So, um, but North Carolina won out of all the kind of the upsets this weekend. This feels like this could be the most, um, you know, the most likely to happen, I feel like. And there's seven and a half point dogs too, which I get it, but um, Clemson just not what they used to be. And then again, when they play better teams, they're allowing a lot of points. One follow-up question before I let you get off of that. You think UNC has a better opportunity to upset Clemson than Kansas State does Texas Christian? I don't really consider a two-and-a-half-point spread much of an upset. Okay. Um, All right. That's fair. Like, like, That's yeah, fair. like this is seven. I think it was seven-and-a-half this morning when I wrote about this game. And, like, you know, even Utah. Like, Utah beat USC this season. That doesn't feel like that big of an upset to me. But if you look at, like, you know, the Purdue, LSU, North Carolina, the over-seven-point spreads, North Carolina would not surprise me if they won this game. Um and then again, I, I think DJU's out of there. So um, dude, transfer portal. I know there's not the discussion for it. It is like if you are a fan of college sports, and I get your team might get rated, but like this is a lot of drama. Like, like it like like Mike. it is like it is well, there's this voluntary, like Oregon's gonna have 15 guys leave on their own. I mean, they might be pushed out the door, but like it is it's a wild west. And we, and because of what Lincoln Riley did, I think everyone's gonna go that direction a little bit harder now. And, and to be fair, a lot of teams, especially, of course, to cover the Pac-12, like all the best quarterbacks in our conference are all transfer quarterbacks. Like it, th- this is how you're building teams up now is through the transfer portal. And the, those players are important to help you win right now. I think this offseason is going to be crazy with this. I think DJU will end up finding a different home, and I think it will be out west. Mel Tucker has some things to say about you claiming that Lincoln Riley is the reason that people have gone into the transfer portal and, and raided it, but he, that's okay. He, he that's had, okay. Fi- he had, he had 15. Okay. Lincoln Riley had like 60 19, roster moves. 19. 19. Okay. Lincoln Riley had like 60 roster moves and they're obviously in the playoff and they have a Heisman caliber quarterback. So a little, well, a little, little different than Michigan state. I'm going to be very interested to see who enters on December 5th and uh, hopefully be able to talk about it in a couple of weeks time but that's going to do it for this episode our last episode yes. of our college football preview brought to you by Wendy see I can say preview I can even say Tuli Tuli Pelotu and I can even there say DJ Ui Ungalale but apparently stuttering has just been what I have done tonight <laughs> Jeff it's always a joy man I've, I've enjoyed this with you yes. I look forward to it and we seem to have a good time uh, thanks for this brother yeah, thank you for everyone for listening all season. And it's a great, great last weekend. Can you believe it, man? Like last full weekend of college football went by fast. Yeah, it did. It really did. Uh, for the fine folks at Wendy's and our crew at Fox Sports, 
thank you all. Uh, we will see you on the number one college football show Saturday night. Deuces. <laughs>